Thank you for listening to Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And if you've checked out this podcast more than once, you may have noticed that I like to listen to a lot of different styles of music. And I also like to discover styles that I've never heard before. That's the case this week with my guest, Mark Stewart. From the experimental sounds of the pop group to the dub sounds of New Age Steppers and Mark Stewart and the Mafia, I went down a very deep rabbit hole. It was actually a little intimidating knowing that Mark has such a wide discography and I was not familiar with the majority of it. But as soon as we connected, we were laughing our asses off. We bond over Romanian gypsy music, we swap Guns N' Roses stories, and we lament the loss of Mark Lanigan. At one point, Mark actually starts to interview me. He talks about forming the pop group and getting support slots for Peri Ubu and Patti Smith, and then having to go back to high school to finish his exams. He also reveals the connection between the pop group and The Simpsons. And Mark's latest album is a throwdown of sorts, kind of a musical steel cage deathmatch with collaborations featuring K.K. Null, Ye Gods, Lee Scratch Perry, and a lot more. Grab the album Versus, follow Mark on Facebook and on Twitter at underscore Mark Stewart. Follow us at Performance ANX on social media. Rate and review. Five stars would be really nice. Help support the show with a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com and check out the other shows on the Pantheon Podcast Network. So let's dubstep into the one and only Mark Stewart on performance anxiety. This is Mark Stewart. You are listening to Performance Anxiety. Don't touch that dial. No refunds. The door to hell is locked from the inside. (laughs) I'm into wildlife. Is that enough? We've got this program here called Through the Keyhole where you have to they go around some faux celebrity's house and you have to guess who lives there. I always try and look at the people's books. Oh, your place looks all right. <laughs> How are you, mate? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Well, I've got two dogs that are just going a little crazy right now. So there may be a little tussling in the background. So I like that. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm Bristolian. We're basic where we're from. <laughs> we're not city folk, really. Excellent. All right. Well, then we'll get along just perfectly because... <laughs> That's that's me Am too. I meant to act, this is a psychology program, right? Am I meant to act anxious? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it was. It's more of a uh, confessional than a than a psychology program because. Okay. It, it was more about me having uh, the anxiety about to talking to people that I, I've have admired for so many years. So it's a. Uh, it, I kind of thought of it as like a through line. Like I was, I was kind of nervous talking to some of these. What's that word? Ruin. What's that word? Through line. Through line. I don't. Yeah, that's American. What does that mean? It's uh, like a, uh, something that I would touch on on every episode. Something uh, uh, like a storyline arc. Some, so uh, something that would uh, yeah. connect every episode, and it never really happened. So it gives it. I call that a patina. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, but it never really happened because I would keep forgetting to ask people about <laughs> performance anxiety. <laughs> so, uh, so I, there's a 
there's a lot of things in my life that never really happened. <laughs> you have to ask. You have to learn to play with the other children. You have to ask. Exactly. Exactly. Every good boy deserves food. Yes. That's what they tried to teach us to learn music sometimes. But I never even lo- I never even bothered with that. Oh yeah. I- you can tie your laces. You'll be all right, son. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This is just, this. it's been a pleasure to go back and discover the music because I really honestly didn't know too much about it to start with. And so it's like jo- a... Join, 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 join the world. <laughs> <laughs> when they say it's outsider music or whatever, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's way outside. <laughs> yeah. Outside the in truth. the cold, dude. <laughs> Well, the way I like to to get things rolling is to kind of find out how you got into music in the first place. Was it something that was a big part of your life growing up? Was it in the in the house, or were were well, you? Well, the strangest thing is that I don't separate things from anything else. Okay. I mean, I think I've said it before that, but they've got this they've got this saying in Bali that we have no art, we do everything well. Okay. Right. And people just sort of start asking me about music. And then about 1978, 1979, I kept on getting this question about politics and music. And I thought, what the hell are these people talking about? Everything is political. And for me, everything is musical. I mean, the flowers sing to the bees. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting romantic. You are. I know this. <laughs> We're on the same dating site, right? Yeah, of course. Can you swiping. move your left arm in the air a little bit? I'm paying extra for this, dude. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. You oh, can yeah, see sorry. what he's wearing, <laughs> listeners. So, all right. So, 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 yeah. So, back to your question. Sorry, <laughs> I, I take um, No, I love so that. So, music was everywhere. Music was everywhere. And I remember my uncle George. We've got this thing here called. Um, it's what's it called? It's called, they put it's called it's like amateur dramatics, but they put on these little sort of Victorian sort of stage shows and village halls. Okay, and there was this people here called Gilbert and Sullivan from the Victorian times, and right. they, and they they had these sort of these sort of stage shows where people would sing to each other. One called HMS Pinafore. I mean, it was just totally out there. I got oh, taken right. to that when I was about six. Yeah, I remember but, that. You know, the tiny village hall with my uncle dressed up as a woman. <laughs> singing in a high voice and I just didn't understand what the hell was going on but then we had something called a gymkhana I got taken to this little sort of fate on a village green and there were donkeys which I liked I didn't really like that they have police dog things as well when the police jumps when the dogs jump through fire oh wow and try and savage anyway but I like the donkeys I've always liked donkeys and now I like horses cart horses in particular but um I didn't realize, but there was a lady with, with very high hair, Buffon. Okay. And she introduced or she cut the ribbon at the fate and she was what they must have called a celebrity. I didn't know. Well, I was about six years old. Anyway, it was Helen Shapiro. And I got her autographs. And she was the first kind of musician that I came across. Okay. She did Walking Back to Happiness. Ooh, oh, a, wow. A bit like an English version of Connie Francis. Okay. And then I got a little autograph book and I'd go around and get like funny, strange people's autographs. Eric Von Daniken, Chariot the Gods, <laughs> Arthur C. Clarke, all these. Oh, wow. Moore. The, the, I was more interested in the moon landing, to tell the truth, than music. Okay, wow. And then I saw Adam Cooper on top of the pops, which was quite mad. Yeah. But the thing that really got me going was there's this guy here called, we had this sick stuff called Glam Rock, right? There's mm-hmm. a guy here called Alvin Stardust, who basically 
he'd been trying to make it since the early 60s, going through every every phase like Mark Bolin and David Bowie did until he finally made, he finally got some glam rock people to write him a hit, some big producers. And he came on stage with a leather glove on <laughs> and a ring over the top of the glove. And this guy appeared on the telly pointing at the, t- pointing at the camera with his ring on a glove. And I thought, <laughs> that looks like a good way to make a living. Oh. <laughs> Not too mucky. Not no. too mucky. I mean, I could, have done, I could have done something a bit more physical. I'm sure I'd live to an older age, but it looked like a bright laugh. <laughs> Man, that's an excellent way to make a career decision. <laughs> but I didn't realize it was North Korea. <laughs> not, that, not that I'm not that I'm geopolitical or anything. Not no. that I've got anything in North no. Korea. Anyway. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> I try to take sides. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about, It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performanceanxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. So did, I mean, were you, did you take any music lessons as a kid, or was was there anything? No, I, I can't actually play music. That's the, I don't know why you're talking to me about music. I'm not a musician. <laughs> I'm what you call a poser. Oh no! <laughs> so I learned from old artists, right? Then I saw yeah. this guy called Cotney Rebel. I'm just, I can just kind of, it's a bit, um, it's a bit Dean Martin, and it's a bit Jack Palance. I just sort of mope around the stage, hide from the lights, and, and growl every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I know foreboding is the word. Foreboding. I'm good at foreboding. Oh, foreboding. That's what they say. I did notice I'd that. I'd be good a in bit, pantomime. Though. Pardon? I did notice. I I saw a video on YouTube of a gig from 1985. Yeah. And you're just kind of in the corner. And Doug Wimbish. That's me in the corner. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> but center stage was Doug Wimbish. So. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the craziest thing. And, and beneath it all, I'm a huge fanboy, to use a stupid word, right? And I just can't believe that these, these incredible musicians and these incredible artists, I mean, I've just been... I was just trying to do some work with Mark Lanigan before he suddenly passed away. That, oh, yeah. You know, and then these people come out and say I'm an influence. So I think 
I've just been sitting in the corner mumbling. Yes. But, you know, so whatever I do, you know, I don't know. If I'm, I just kind of cut things up and make collage. You know, I don't know what I do. It's like, a, you know, I can't analyze what I do, but people, other, other, especially other musicians, seem to run off and make whole other genres and become multimillionaires, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I end up talking to you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're on a podcast yeah. on a weekend. A pea pod. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of pod are we in? They got these things in Japan called pod hotels. Oh. Capsule hotel. But you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why is it called a pod, of all things? All I can think of the three peas in a pod. Why are they called pods? I think Podcasts. that... Podcasts. Oh, um... It, because they were iPods. yeah iPod. yeah that's exactly it, it well, was... they had these great t-shirts back in the day in london right these ones for tourists and one of them said i pooed <laughs> it was like a rip on the ipod advert anyway <laughs> i like oh i'm gonna find one of those shirts i like that <laughs> oh man I'm, I'm... Can I just ask you a question who's the who's the who's the maddest person you've talked to that i might know of richard lloyd from oh, television wow. from yeah, that oh, they were legendary to us. That that gentleman, and he's a great guy. He was so kind wow. to be on the podcast early on when I didn't have any anybody. I didn't know anybody in the public relations business to help me find people. I just uh, I had followed him on Facebook and uh, just kind of sent him a message and said, "Hey, I'm doing this uh, podcast, and here's the basic premise. Love to talk to you and." find out a little bit more about you and, and you know because i think he had a he just released a book or an album or something like that and yeah and he's like yeah sure and he comes on and the whole premise of the show is to kind of find out how you got to where you are you know i like finding history and obscure things that artists do and and finding out you know why you did this one strange piece of music after you did all these other things that you're known for and there's just one they know outlier. they know what they're doing these people oh yeah <laughs> so so i started asking him about these things and we've got a plan in this world have they no oh god well i don't know richard richard might richard remember okay richard says he remembers being born right he says i mean he's got one of those memories that's uh i think he's one of those people that literally can remember anything you throw out a date and he'll tell you exactly what he was doing Wow. And, and he he honestly God remembers says he remembers being born. And wow. I we started talking. We were talking for like half an hour. We hadn't even gotten to the point where he had started the band television yet. And he's like, Right. I gotta go in a few minutes. Um <laughs> <laughs> I got Give so. Me an idea. Oh. Yeah, perfect. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and good evening. Exactly. But I, I ladies did, and gentlemen, I did get some interesting stories, like the time he got punched in the face by Jimi Hendrix. So that was. Oh wow. Yeah. So I did get some pretty pretty cool stories there, but I had to like gloss over everything from television through Matthew Sweet up until the, his new album. Like so, uh, yeah, you were in television, and that was great. And you've got a new album coming out. I was like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. No, that's kind of interesting, though, because otherwise, I like that, that you get, you. I like that. So something, you know, like you suddenly know something about, I mean, for us, we got Little Johnny Jewel. It was on this tiny little label called Ork, okay. right? And I used to go up to, I think, I'm sure it's called Ork. And I used to go up to London to buy clothes and to, 
I used to say to my, I was like 13, 14 or something, whatever, however old. And I used to say to my mum and dad, you know, they wanted to go to a museum, but I didn't right. just to get a lift up to London because Bristol's a bit of a distance away. Okay. And we'd find these kind of bootleg shops and cool little record shops. And I, I remember finding this brilliant bootleg poster of Bowie, Lou Reed and Iggy Pops sort of standing together like Xerox. I mean, it, I put that on my wall. Oh, and then I found, and we'd find punk magazine and cream and details and stuff, right? Yeah. And then I found Piss Factory, Patty Smith, and Little Little Johnny Jewel with a chest full of lights. Oh, that song just blew me and my mate. My, my, my mate up the road was thinking about forming a band, you know, and it was just like, it was just, that's honestly mind-blowing. And my friend's wow. band, the Cortinas, came to support television when they played in Bristol. And Blondie were on the same bill as well. Blondie oh. were on the television. Wow. I mean, what? What I mean, and that, and a couple of years ago, I got to work with Richard, Richard Hell, right? Okay. And for me, Richard invented punk rock. Yeah, with that ripped T-shirt. For me, the real legends of punk rock are Richard Hell and Judy Nylon. You know, oh wow, incredible, yeah. incredible, incredible, and 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 the is it glissando? I mean, it was just it. It is. It's like a it's like a chest full of lights. It's 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 pure energy beaming out of that record. I love it. Love it. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. How did you end up forming the pop group? I mean, what, well, so, so basically, you know, being at school on the way home from school, I'd save my dinner money and buy like records and weird books and junk shops. Okay. On the way home from school, they were like cool sort of junk shops. Right. Mm -hmm. And somehow I came across like city lights, pamphlets, and you know, I, there must've been a lot of hippies or counterculture people living in the area on the way home from school. <laughs> I didn't realize, right? And I found music concrete. I found all sorts of crazy sorts of stuff. I just bought, I'd buy stuff cause it was cheap. I didn't even know what it was or cause the cover was looking weird. You oh, know? wow. So like I'm saying, my friend, like four doors up, it was st started, we had this thing called pub rock in England, which was kind of like 60s R&B they were learning to play. This was like 74, 75, oh, right? right? And there was a band called Eddie and the Hot Rod. So my friend started this kind of R&B band playing like my generation and substitute and pretty things and stuff like that, you okay. know, and yeah. you know, had a little bit of Iggy. And... um Anyway, punk happened, and they were—it was similar with the Pistols and all these other bands, were just sort of learning. I mean, Joe Joe Strummer was in a sort of band called the One Hundred One ers, which again was just like raw R and B, you oh, know, okay. sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, punk started happening, and my friends, you know, suddenly we were we, we were wearing sort of outrageous clothes anyway, going clubbing and stuff because we'd all been into Roxy and Bowie and stuff, and uh -huh. suddenly we saw the picture of the Sex Pistols. And we just, and my mate started getting gigs at the Roxy with his band. And me and Gareth and Bruce from the pop group were, were, were just mates. They went to the same school as him. And we'd just travel around to go to gigs and stuff, 15, 16. And we just said on the way back from the Roxy one night, let's, well, why don't we have a go? And basically wow. those days, you, were, you know, it was if you had the right shoes. Or not the, and not even the right shoes, not the wrong shoes. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it took. So yeah, and that's all it took, and and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes it becomes a it becomes a twitch after a while. You just can't stop it. You've got to tie your arm down. I remember people. I remember going around somebody's house once, and their arm was tied to their leg. Right. Okay. I thought, what's going on? And it, the guy was learning to drum, and it was to make him ambidextrous or something. So he'd use the other hand. Oh yeah. But, 
I've got to tie both my arms, both my legs together to stop me doing this because I can't stop. <laughs> I need help. Well, I need help. It seems like it because, I mean, you put out so much stuff and you're working with so many people. <laughs> it's been quite a long time, Lev. It has. It's, it's only because you've just turned it on suddenly and it's all come streaming into your brain. No, it's... I don't actually put out a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But I went back and, and started listening to the pop group and it, honest to God, it just blew my mind. And cool. it was... Why is just such insanity? Thank you. Funky, it's brutal, it's delicate. When you guys are in there recording that album, were all the, were the songs planned out or is it just improv? I mean, how did that all come together? It comes, it, everything comes from some, you know, it's each single little second you could say came from this, came from that. I mean, recently I was talking to this friend of mine and there's this, I think he was called a symbolist. There's this painter called Odilon Redon, okay. right? and in this um, museum gallery, Bristol City Gallery, near my school, again, knocking off school, <laughs> was this weird thing of this floating eye, right, okay. from the symbolist period, and it just blew my mind. And then there was a poet called Chatterton. So you just pick up on these... It's all just... It's kind of feelings, you know? Okay. And I, I thought of something the other day to try and, like, sum up what we were... I mean... I said to I said we were trying to bottle Bohemia, but Bohemia in the sense of everything from like Oscar Wilde through to like Morton Sabotnik to I don't know, but it wasn't deliberate. Wow. It wasn't deliberate. Deliberate. We've all got everybody in that band, and a lot of people moving forwards. I mean, the guys I'm you know the people I'm collaborating with on this versus album, I'm deliberately going to the extremes and looking for fellow outsiders you know yeah. in different sorts of working in different working on different planets just yeah. so i can make new alchemy if you like the thing is just being open and and worshiping your own naivety to a certain extent not being not being controlled by outside forces okay and luckily we were kind of protected because you know there was a guy who signed us originally to radar called andrew laudu United Artists Records, right? And and he was just a, he was a beautiful guy, right? And and Mayo Thompson from Thirteenth Floor Elevators was around as well, oh, helping cool. kind of A and R. And we were kind of protected. It's like having a rare species that is, you know, we were protected from being told what to do, which was really lucky. And then I was sharing a kind of half sharing a house with Jeff Travis when he was starting to set up like the independent record distribution set up with rough trade and going on, you know, and people like Daniel Miller at mute. And, you know, I've been able to work with Mavericks that let me do what I wanted to do, to do. Been a lot of people destroyed by A&R. Not that it's the A&R person's fault, but it's like somebody telling you, I don't know, it makes them into bonsais. 
Imagine if Captain Beefheart had been A and R'd. Yeah. Styled. Exactly. Yeah. It would. Yeah. It wouldn't be the it music it is. Him, yeah. They would have made him like the Bo Brummels or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. Oh my. <laughs> God. Although that, I don't know. Maybe get those. If you could have gotten those two to mash up, that would have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was. I just. I became such a fan of the sound. I mean, Gareth, I am a huge fan of his now. I mean, I absolutely love his guitar playing. It's just Great. amazing. It's, yeah. It's, 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 there's just, you can't even. He plays everything, though. He plays yeah. like treated oh, oh, he'll pick up any, anything. You oh, know, that's... And a crucial guy on that record was Dennis Bavel, the, we gave him the title of producer, and he is a producer. I mean, but we all, we're all hands on deck, you know. But Dennis, again, you know, again, is one of those people that protects you. You know, Dennis Bavel, David Thomas and Per Ruba, we got a support tour with Per Ruba around Europe when wow. we were still at school. And oh Patty. It kind of, and Patty Smith, it gave you, we played with Patty, right? And it gave you the, it made you realize you could, you could be weird without getting told off. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and it's such a young age because you guys were really young. 15, 16. Yeah, 16. We were toured Peru, but I had to come back and finish my exams at school. I was not going to school. <laughs> Playing these weird little clubs in Paris and Holland, you know. Oh, with Peru and, and Patti Smith. That's, oh my God. I'm glad that that happened because that was formational for you. I mean, like you said, you learned you didn't have to compromise on who you were to be able to do what you wanted to do. Yeah. The second album... I mean, it's just as insane as the first, but <laughs> what what really just kind of hit me was the way it ends. Rob a bank, it just stops. Yeah. I love that. That is. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I've spent a lot of time on the kind of sequencing before. I like cliff edges and yeah. sudden juxtapositions and stuff, right? I'm trying to do something at the moment with a locked groove. Okay. I've got this. I've got this thing from a trailer from the 1940s going, I shall be, I shall become master of the universe. And I'm trying to make it into a locked groove, you know? Wow. <laughs> I love stuff like that, but I'm 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 mad about special effects. People say, "Well, what are you trying to do?" For me, I, I think it's it's a John Woo film. It might be called Broken Arrow or something. And okay. they had it was like an Andy Warhol sort of split screen thing. They had this explosion, and it went across five pictures across the screen. Oh wow! Right, and I was just thinking, I want to do that with sound. Oh, and recently we've just done our first ever spatial mix, which is really, really interesting. I mean, I've messed about with kind of 3D effects before. We did some quantum, uh, not quantum, um, quad shows. Okay. But now you can actually sell spatial mixes, which is quite interesting. What, Dolby Atmos. What? Uh, so what's a spatial mix? You know, it's you know, in a cinema when the sound moves. Have you, have you ever been to an IMAX when the sound yeah. actually goes? You know, I remember I went to an IMAX thing and there was like this kid's horror film and there was some guns flying through the air. Yeah. And I tried to knock it. I thought it was going to hit me. 
I yeah. tried to knock it out of the way with my hand. But there's speakers all around the all around the room, and it kind of becomes omnidirectional, sort of directional on the beams. Okay. But you could do that now with uh, Apple. They've got these iP- uh, iPods. I mean, I what are they called? Um, what those things? Those what do they call those headphone new headphones? What are they called? The AirPods. Earbuds. Airbuds. Earbuds. Yeah. That that you can buy spatial mixes now and listen to it. Oh wow! Yeah, I had no idea. That's incredible. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. In nineteen was it eighty or eighty one? The pop group ended almost the way that the album ended. I mean, it just it, you guys were there, and then it was done. Was there a reason? Yeah, that- but it, I mean, for me, that whole thing. Gareth said something the other day that when people look back at those that period when we were working and making those records, he said all he remembers is laughter. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because we were just we're just a bunch of mates amongst quite a few mates growing up in Bristol, and just because we were in a band and made music and travelled around, didn't mean we didn't stay as mates afterwards. And when we were working with other people, we're not protective. We're not like isolationist like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've always been friends. We always will be friends. We're friends with each other's mums and dads and brothers and uncles. You know, it's a small town. So it doesn't look like an end or a beginning to anything. And then when Matt Groening from The Simpsons asked us to reform, it just felt like having a family holiday again. Wow. You know, that was one of the craziest things. There was a, there was a review in the Bristol Evening Post, the local paper, right, of one of our early gigs. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite tall. And it said, it looks like Mark's taking his children for a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> you should see some of the reviews in the early days. So another On my first solo record, Linda's Cup with Cowardice, it said, I think there's something wrong with a needle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and people kept on sending the record back and trying to work with engineers. There's some, there's some John PR crazy and mastering people. They're going, they were going, this is going in the red. I was going, good, good. So I was going, well, I think you can, you know, turn it upside. It's, people think what I'm making is a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hang, hang on, uh, you know, <laughs> first, first off, what right have you got to say that? Exactly. You know, I'm not being rude, but one of the problems is... Going back to what they did to Galileo, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not comparing myself to, but small-minded people stop change. Yeah, Do you see progress, yeah. Or, or, yeah, well, I don't even know if pro- progress is a good word, but innovation. Oh, like. yeah. You know, it's it's funny, because I know that the same thing happened with Hendrix when he was recording and playing with all the feedback, and the engineers were saying, we can't record this feedback. It's, yeah. But that's what I love I mean, about Hendrix. Off- his ear forgot. I know it's just, it's just, it's just mad. I mean, that is the craziest thing. You were in the- even if I didn't. Just, I mean, again, I'm, it's not like you know. I'm not. 
overtly trying to plug too hard my new one, right? But I deliberately went out on a limb and I don't really understand what, for example, KK Null is doing. Right. Right. Jap noise in general. I don't, you know, I don't, it's, I don't really understand it kind of rhythmically or, or, or it's kind of angular. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this e gods I worked with on the, on, on the Mika Viner track. And I don't understand what he's doing, but I thought, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's too easy to, it's too easy to be comfortable. Yes, exactly. And not to plug the podcast too much, but that's one of the reasons why I love doing this is because I'm discovering new things that I'm not familiar with, like, like your music, yeah. for instance. So yeah. I, I, I try to do that on a smaller scale in my own life in general. I mean, I'm not. Tear down the reality asylum. Yes, exactly. But there's, that's, God, I got so many questions here. It's just insane. You're in a bunch of, well, not a bunch, but a couple of different projects between Pop Group and your solo album, like uh, The Mafia and um, uh, The New Age Steppers. Were the- well, The Mafia is kind of the name of, it was called Mark Stewart. Basically, the first solo album was called Mark Stewart versus The Mafia, that VS okay. again, which which I've used for the title on this one. And it was kind of me versus the mafia. Okay. The business mafia, people, if you like, right? If you want to look at it that way. All right. And just before that, though, yeah, New Age Steppers was me with Adrian Sherwood, the producer, uh, Ari from The Slits, Keith Levine from Public Image. You know, it was a it was a hotspot. You know, somebody calls the on you sound stuff a conspiracy of outsiders. Oh. But- I've always collaborated and I've always worked with, with, you know, I was just, I was just listening to this incredible Romanian gypsy music, you know, Oh, if, man. Something, if something tickles my fancy, I'll, I'll, I'll try and co-opt it, you know, I'll try and bring it into my palette. That's wonderful. You know, it's, it's funny. Actually, a friend of mine's father used to work for Ryko disc and yeah. I used to get a bunch of promos his dad would just have stuff. It was just laying around. I guess maybe it had gotten a little old, so he'd give it to my friend, and he'd go through the one that he wanted, and then he'd give the rest to me, and I'd go through it. And I actually found, at one point, a CD of Romanian Gypsy music, and I love it. Yeah. It's it's, in, it's a big part of my collection. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the weddings, the, the oh, my God, yeah. when they pin up, oh, you know, it's beautiful music. Somebody just now was saying it's a 1,000 years old. Wow. That is Fighting with the with the yeah, beautiful celebration, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's it's incredible music. And speaking of incredible music, I, I love the the solo albums that you've done as just Mark Stewart. And it, you started working with some of your longtime collaborators pretty early on at that point, Doug Wimbish and Skip McDonald. I I love yeah. Little Axe. I love I love everything Doug's done. You know, everything from yeah. you know White Lines all the way up to Living Color. Yeah, Doug's one of my favorite, not not just bass players, but musicians. He's his stuff is just incredible. Well, he's one of my favorite people. We're doing some gigs in England with them 
uh, and, and, you know, very, very soon. And to tell the truth, especially when Keith LeBlanc starts, you know, playing along with his kind of the way he programs beats, I mean, it's like being in heaven. It's very difficult for me to remember to actually sing. Oh, wow. Just there in the corner, like nodding my head, like I would have <laughs> sound if WizKid or Red Alert were playing or something. You know, I'm just in awe. See, and that's what I love hearing when uh, artists that I'm talking to are just enthralled by other artists, because that gives me other yeah. people to, another rabbit hole to go down. Oh, I mean, Ornette Coleman. I mean, oh. for God's And then I was helping produce a Living Color album, and Will, the drummer, was saying he was playing with Ornette, and I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Uh, Have you heard that um, Steve Vai is playing with Living Color Rock in Rio? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gosh, I'm, they're I, doing one of those cruises at the moment. One of those like rock and roll, you know, when <laughs> when the bands play on the cruise. Yeah, that's oh. an American thing. Yeah, apparently, I've never been on. One of the, I don't know. Cruise ships freak me out. I don't think I want to be on. <laughs> I don't. Well, even in the bath, haven't you got one in your little tub? <laughs> yeah, but I can't get I'll on send that you a little one. Toy. Now I know how to get to you. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I just don't want to be in a... I'm going to be on your show every week. There's a cruise. There's one behind you, dude. <laughs> oh, shit. You should never tell me what freaks you out. <laughs> Everywhere you go, there's going to be cruise ships painted on your car outside your house. I'm going to get emails. It's just pictures of cruise ships. and. Why? How? How's that then? I mean, I charge extra for therapy, but, but do you know why that happened? Was it a past life? Or... <laughs> I, don't, I just don't want to be in an enclosed space with so many people. You should, try, you should come to one of my concerts. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. I love concerts. I just, for an extended period of time, I just, I just don't want to be, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, there's something weird about it. <laughs> You're floating What's the in, best concert you've ever been to, do you reckon? The best concert I've ever been to. Um, that's, uh, I would, I would say at the moment, I would probably say a couple of years ago, I saw Failure and Swerve Driver. And you saw who? Uh, what the was the first word? Failure. Okay, I don't know them. Oh, they're in a, they're a nineties alternative rock band. Uh, they put out some. They put out three albums in the nineties, and they broke up for fourteen years. And then they put out an. Uh, I think they reunited and put out an album in twenty fourteen or so. What are they called? Failure. Failure. Yeah. Huh? The the opposite of success. Okay. So, and uh, they're the stuff they've put out is even better than the stuff they put out in the 90s, which wow. which kind of reminds me of the pop group because the stuff you guys put out after the Matt Groening re yeah. uh, reunion, I just love it. It's incredible. I, I like it that, even more than why. And, and uh, Thank you. I mean, that was shocking. That was so off. That was, you know, I was, I was living in Berlin. My solo stuff was trundling along nicely. I was doing all this kind of cool dance stuff. I just had a huge underground dance hit, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then suddenly I get this phone call about, you know, that Groening's curating all tomorrow's parties and he wants me to reform the pop group and Iggy to reform the Stooges. And I just thought, that's a curveball. Yeah. Right? But from there, I mean, but in the conversations, we all said, well, if we're going to do something, we've got to do new stuff straight away as we're rehearsing, because that's the whole point of the thing. We, you know, we're not, it's not, um, what's it called? Not narcissism. What's it called? It's Necrophilia. A, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah. 
But I, and and you know, as soon as we got in a room, I mean, it was totally different. So I remember me and Gareth and Bruce working with Adrian Sherwood on some sort of trying to get this. There was a song called Age of Miracles, which I think is quite pertinent now, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, on the Citizen Zombie album. It was as fresh as me working, you know, it wasn't any, it was just so weird that we were just making something that was kind of totally different to, you know, we didn't, we we were just making, we were just going wherever we wanted. We weren't trying to make something sound like a, I mean, you know, every pop group song sounds different to another pop group song anyway, but suddenly we were going in, you know, madness, madness, madness. I mean, there's a, there's a song on uh, that honeymoon from Mars, the second one called Days Like These, and it's so relevant to like this week and last last week. It's yeah. just like, oh, it's just yeah. When the clock strikes thirteen, the loneliest hour. Somebody once told me that hope is a power. When the clock strikes thirteen. The loneliest hour Somebody once told me That hope is a power Days like these I'm very, very pleased with those those things. It was very, very interesting. And we're doing... We've got some more stuff on the boil, you know. Oh, that is we just awesome. Put out y in, we've just done it. We've just put out Y in dub. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. That, and, and it's and, just coming in final quite soon. That's quite interesting. That's very interesting. See, the dub is a whole type of music that I've never been into before. So I'm I'm excited to start diving into some of that and right. hearing hearing how it's the music is transformed by dub versions. Well, I really recommend dub, Joe Gibbs, mm-hmm. Prince Farai's dub encounters. Okay. Right? King Tubby. King Tubby's amazing. But I also highly recommend you listen to some like extended electro mixes. I don't know if you know electro, but like the twelve-inch versions of of like really cool like eighties electro. Okay, is really really spatial. It's kind of like dub dubby, but it's not reggae. But just the production and stuff is amazing. You know, because I'm growing up in Bristol, like Massive Attack and all that, they're they're like my mates. So we were really into Uh hip hop, like really early on and electro and stuff. And one of the original DJs from the Massive crew, DJ Milo, just launched his Japanese fashion brand with a company called Sof. Anyway, he did an old school electro set at the the launch. And it was just, oh, I was in heaven. I mean, through big speakers, it's it's so minimal and sparse and, you know. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Man. We've been talking a little, uh, mentioning the new album a bit here. Can you describe this a little bit to me? Because it's kind of, it's, it's an interesting idea to me. I, don't, I can't tell if it's a, like a collaboration or like a steel cage death match. It's the steel cage death match. Excellent. King of, I'm, I'm king of the cage. <laughs> I used to be king of the beach, but now I'm king of the cage, man. Woo! 
Yeah. That, that's this the best thing. Yeah. All the rage. In the cage. Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a tag team. Well, was it Ricky Flair and uh, the British Bulldog? And yeah. Yes. It's proper tag team WW. Yeah. Yeah. Full on. <laughs> full on. With a monster truck driving over on the end just for added. <laughs> I love monster trucks. Oh, yeah, man. no. So basically, each track is a throwdown in itself. Okay. So it's it's versus. It's like me going into a wrestling ring against Front Two Four Two, against Ye Gods, against Panasonic. One of them is a three way, right? Is me. I saw that. The, the second single is me against Stephen Malander, the singer from Cabaret Voltaire, and against this guy who I call is the um, Mancunian Yandek, but now I've we have to call him the Mancunian Prince. Okay. The legend that is Eric Random. So there's three of us, you know. Yeah, so like I'm saying, I to humour myself, I just thought I'm gonna challenge each of these people as an equal. Right. So, so it's like it's like like Mothra versus Godzilla. Yeah. So how Ali does, versus Foreman. How does it work? I mean, are are you providing them something? In no, a- it, it it wasn't a set plan. Basically. A couple of the things were already in progress, like K.K. Nell opened for us. I asked K.K. Nell to open for the pop group in Tokyo on a, when we reformed, right? Okay. Because I loved it. I mean, I just love, they call it Jap Noise. There's a band called High Rise, who I really love. And K.K. Nell's first band, Zeni Giva, Masona. I mean, it's mind-blowing stuff. Oh, I have to check it you out. Know, one of my quotes is, one thing I've learned in my life, and that is the absolute power of noise yes right so me and him were talking about doing some stuff and we were working on a few tracks right mika vino from pansonic i did a a mad kind of performance art noise event with him when me and him and my friend russell haswell was on stage like rattling chains i mean it was just mental <laughs> absolutely oh man we cutting edge art festival in austria and I just got on with him like the house on fire. And he gave me like four tracks. But then this, the poor bugger died, right? Oh. And I was just like thinking about what to do with them, what I like, kept on trying different things. And I really wanted to get as much energy into, you know, because Mika just, it was just incredible energy came, came out of the, well, still comes out of him, right? Yeah. yeah. And Aphex Twin tipped me off to Ye Gods. And I just thought, this is the kid to help me finish this track with Mika, right? Oh. And then I loved his stuff, and he is a talent. I mean, if have a look on, you know, they might be coming to your town. He's, he's touring North America soon with Mogwai, right? Oh. And he is, they, they picked up on him, right? The, the kid is a talent. I'm writing that down because you know? I love Mogwai too. <laughs> yeah. I've listened to this several times now, and there's, there's two tracks that I absolutely love more than they, they, I don't want to say more than it. They stand out to me, I should say. And the first is ye gods question mark. 
Yeah. That is such a great track. And then the second is All My Senses with Mike Watt. Yeah. That is, I have never heard anything like that. I don't know what is going on in that song, but... <laughs> Thank you. It's a, it, it's, Don't ask me. <laughs> Here, okay. I'm lost too. Uh, well, 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 stickers. Don't follow me. I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's no road signs because this is insane. It's um, it's a great song to start with, but in the middle of it, it's like a jet engine just shows up. Oh, yeah, called On Off, right? Yeah. And Mike was playing with Iggy in Berlin. And we'd heard that Mike was a big fan of my stuff, right? So uh, the director was interviewing, you know, he was interviewing talking heads about my stuff. And I, I went down to the interview and I just got with Mike like a house on fire. Oh, wow. Awesome. You know? He had this belt, like a cowboy belt, but in the notches he kept keeps all these different flavors, these hot chili sauces for when he's traveling, so he's, he can <laughs> spice up his food. Perhaps he uses it to spice up his love life. Who Maybe. knows? No, but I mean, you know, and for you know him behind Iggy, yeah. it's just crazy, crazy. I mean, the Minutemen. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. I'm in awe, and to get and to get Mike on that and KK Null is just like whoa. Yeah, uh, it's, I seriously am just amazed by the, the variety of artists. I mean, Front 242, like you said, KK Null, Ye Gods. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying what you've done with this, so now I'm going to go explore Ye Gods. And yeah. Lee Scratch Perry, you know, yeah. completely different from, from a lot of the other artists on there. It's, and, you know, his passing as well is, is, makes this even more amazing. Yeah. I mean, he died just as we were just as we were making it. I mean, it was crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah. And again, like David Thomas, I mean, I think Lee has had more effect on me than anybody in my life because it goes back to when I was like eleven or twelve. I mean, I was like a junior suede head, skinhead. I'd like, you know, I'd I'd kind of go to the the first sort of youth club dances was all skinheads dancing to reggae. Skinheads here were, you know, it was a fashion thing. It's not like skinheads have become now. Right. You know, they're all into reggae. And just looking back, it was Lee Perry productions on some of those Scar songs and those early reggae songs that just, you know, he's been with me my whole life. You know, he's he's like a a shaman uncle. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know what I mean? And his very presence, you know, is just like, I remember him once in this in Adrian Sherwood's garden. I mean, it's just, oh, but he, he lives on, you know, he yeah. lives on. He lives, thank God he made such amazing music and he and he had an astounding life, a life well lived. I, I was hearing an interview, somebody was interviewing him near a little ice cream van on a beach in the grill or something like two days before he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't ill. He just went. Yeah. He, he was full right up to the end, you know. Man. And I'll, I'll give a, a quick aside too. It's 
I had a similar experience, and you'd mentioned him be earlier, Mark Lanigan. Now, I'd been listening to him since I was in <laughs> high school myself, and then I had a chance to have him on the podcast, and uh, he's, he, he came on twice. And, you know, it, it was amazing to me to be able to, I could shoot him an email and say, hey, I'm doing this. Would you like to be yeah. a part of it? And yeah, sure. No problem. And then he'd come on and we'd, you know, talk for two hours. And it's just yeah. amazing. You, you'd mentioned that you were hoping to work with him. Did you ever? I have a- been working with him. I've got some stuff in the, in, in the, in the, I've, I've been, I've been working with him. Oh, you know. man. Oh. Do you know Greg Dunn? Well, he's a nice guy because Mark and Greg work together. From Af- Greg from Afghan Wigs, lovely guy. I've been trying to, to reach out to him to have him on the podcast before Mark passed, of course, but uh, never been able to get actually get through to him. Okay. So maybe one of these days because Afghan Wigs is incredible and I, I, Twilight Singers is just amazing. Yes. So what, maybe- and Mark did some amazing techno sort of work. He, he collaborated with a friend of mine, not waving. I mean, Mark's... Breath of taste and his sort of compassion, you know, and yeah. and the way that his voice just carries, it carry. You can just hear need, not yeah. in a. Do you know it's yearning? If you yes. like, you know, it really reminds me. I mean, I've heard some sort of Appalachian sort of um, country singers, you know, from the from the late forties, fifties, like the sort of stuff Alan Lomax collected. Yeah, and oh, you, it's yeah. just so. Oh, Mark was transmitting from to somewhere or from somewhere. You know, the the, yeah. the guy's the source. The oh. guy's the source. Yeah, like you know, like Sunrise the source. I mean, Mark was near to the spring. Yeah, he know. was a conduit of something. Yes, yes. And Ultimate respect. Yeah. Oh, and and his and hum- humble, humble as hell, humble with it. Yeah, and his openness to to work with people and so many different styles of music was just. It was just amazing. I'm yeah. so glad I got the chance to know him a little bit, you know. Yeah. But I would hope that, that whatever you're working on with him eventually can see the light of day because the two of you to, yeah. working together would just blow my mind. So is there anybody that you, you haven't had a chance to work with yet that you're, you would well, like to? Well, an interesting thing is working with Hank Shockley on that honeymoon from Mars thing was astounding, yeah. you know, growing up listening to the bomb squad and public enemy and stuff. I mean, Hank is, a, is incredible. And, and he's, and he's a, and him and Keith Blank have got a real lust for finding out about new technologies and advances. And, you know, they're real like edge surfers. Okay. Right. Yeah. Carl Craig. Oh, I'm not familiar. Detroit techno guy like Jeff Mills. I mean, I've met him a couple of times. I know he likes my stuff and I've had some quite interesting conversations with him. And I think that could be, you know, but again, there's all, I've got, you know, there's all sorts of really quite interesting things going on. And and a, and a new English band called Benefits have just blown my mind. They're like uh-huh. a an even mouthier version of Sleaford Mods. And uh-huh. I reached, as soon as I heard them, my friend from The Bug, turned me on to them and as soon as i heard them i just thought these guys are cool and i and i hit them up on on twitter right mm-hmm, no. <laughs> and this young lad said oh my dad's my dad knows your stuff and i thought oh my god <laughs> but anyway it was cool and i mean again what every moment every every day there's something like cool or interesting that you just come across or you hear you know it's just yeah. 
it's really cool. And the, the cool thing is that when, when somebody's like going on about you and you check your stuff, you, you, you get, you know, you get inspired by your, the people you've inspired. It's really weird. There's this old chemical drawing of this snake kind of eating itself, yep. you know? Yeah. And I wish I'd worked with Sun Ra a little bit before he died. And I was trying to work with Ornette and I was really, really, really just about to do some work with Cecil Taylor before he passed, who I love. Wow. The Japanese, I know. Oh, man. I know. That's yeah. the, the people you even work with, it's just an amazing list. It's just, I'm kind of in awe of some, of all of the stuff. And of, I'm going deep into this stuff, in, into the, the music. I'm just thrilled you've agreed to come on to my little podcast. I'm just thrilled that, that I've had the chance to, to speak with you. Dive into a genre that I'm not familiar with. And it's not a genre though. That's the worst thing. Cause the worst thing is when, you know, cause after punk rock, what they call post punk was, was, was like an exploding rainbow, you know, okay. it was going everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. You could do anything. It was like freedom after, you know, punk, punk really tore up the rule book. Right. Yeah. And then they start saying it's a genre, but the whole point is we don't want to be in a genre. Okay. You know, we can't, it's That's like fair. a great jacket. We're, it's like a rubber room or something. We're constantly, who wants to be, everything's becoming kind of codified again. That's why I'm quite happy to jump across and, you know, this really cool Italian rave crew called Crookers did a kind of remake of this pop group song, We're All Prostitutes, with my singing on it. Okay. And it became a huge European underground dance hit. It had like a million hits. <laughs> wow. And it's like losing it to this song. And the song is out there. Oh man! Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I hear like really. I hear the similar sort of mad, cutting edge kind of tape splicing that T Tio Masiro did with Miles on on the corner. I hear it in like French. This this is crazy French guy called Sebastien, which is like cut up, mash up, rave stuff, and just the way the things kind of go into them. It's 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 mental, absolutely mental. <laughs> it's is... like swallowing a lot of e, e numbers in one go. Oh man! <laughs> See, this is great because I'm learning all these people. I have to go check out now. I, that's one of the reasons why I love having people on that I, I find new. I'm just kind of like a sponge. I, I just love. Yeah, the whole open mind. He had this DJ in England called John Peel. Yes, right. And his show would be two hours, and it would go from flamenco music to dub to funk, to Captain Beefheart, wow. to like extreme noise terror, <laughs> to Sandy Denny, to Tim Buckley, you know, just yeah. the craziest section of, you know. All over the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I even listen to Yacht Rock. Oh, yeah. Richard Marks. You look a little bit like Richard Marks. <laughs> <laughs> I get... Can you do... Oh, I, I, no, you don't want me to sing. And uh, please, oh, I can't. I'm trying to think. Mark's song, I don't remember what he was gonna die there, wouldn't he? He, he will, he will. No, what was what happen if you reach out to him to, to sing? Maybe he'll, he might die. <laughs> In fact, he's <laughs> next to me. <laughs> oh, no.
I tell you, that was the craziest experience I have ever had in my life. Oh, right? Sometimes you like, fly through, you fly through like two days to get somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know where I'd come from, but I've, I'd just flown into Japan and I had to go across Japan to this ski resort where they had this festival called Fuji Rock, right? Okay. And I hadn't really, I'd been telling jokes. I'd, I'd made a new friend on the plane or something. I'm the worst nightmare sitting next to me on the plane. I'll, I'll talk to you about, I'll talk to an astrophysicist, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway. Yeah, I, but everybody wants to sleep. I'm still like trying to make jokes. <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't realize until about 20 hours the guy didn't speak English. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and I get to this. I get to this place, right? And I was a bit spaced out because I hadn't really slept properly, right? Right. And there weren't very many vegetarian options on planes back then, you know. Anyway, yeah. so. I get to this place and I get, and it's like a ski resort. And I'm walking through like the entrance when all the artists are arriving. And I see Bootsy Collins walking towards, dressed to the nines with all his gear on, his big glasses. <laughs> I thought, oh my God, have I died to go and gone into heaven? Am I in, am I in funk heaven with the no. brides of funk, funk? Yeah. Right? Where's George? Where's George? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the mothership. Am I on the mothership? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then suddenly, so Bootsy's walking along, and then suddenly behind him appears the guy from this English or Scottish band called Travis. And that was just the most weird just juxtaposition. You're driftwood. Na, 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 na. Yeah. You've been in for a long, long, long time. Yes. <laughs> what a weird That's combination. Like having Hendrix next to Glenn Miller. <laughs> Obviously, the, the, the guy from Travis is Hendrix, Hendrix but yeah, oh, yeah, anyway, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's 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 absolute madness. And for me, the one of the weirdest musicians in the whole world, and I keep on uh, teasing Gareth that he's a bit like is this guy called Richard Claderman. Um, not familiar. Yeah, really like seventies perm. And we have this guy over here at Christmas called Andre Roux, who plays like violin to the like the Viennese dancing horses, like Christmas, Austrian Christmas specials. Okay. But look the air, a bit like yours and Richard Marks. <laughs> and apparently I get Sean Astin a lot, the actor, Sean Astin. Oh. Yeah. So. Whatever happened to Poodle Hair? Whatever happened to that? Well, remember Poodle Rock, that big Hanoi Rocks? Whatever yeah. happened, that was I think um environmentalism got rid of those guys have you ever have you ever had anybody from have you ever spoken to jim dandy from black oak arkansas have you ever had any of those guys on your show i had i've had some hair metal guys on um, yes i have um in fact ooh, one, ooh, tell me okay ooh. uh i had um let's see it, it weren't really hair metal but alex skolnick from the band testament was on um oh i had this guy you may not know this band they they were a, a Big in LA, and they had like one minor hit, but it's a band called Shark Island. And okay. the singer was a guy named Richard Black. And he's he oh he's he's the guy supposedly that influenced Axel Rose's stage presence. Like right. Shark Island had been around since the late seventies, singing yeah. in LA and all. And and uh, so you know Axel Rose gets up on stage and he just kind of like sways and around the and hangs onto the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard Black apparently had been doing that for years and Axel grew up on you know, going to shows on Sunset Strip and would see Richard Black yeah. and kind of copped his moves and then Guns N' Roses blew up. And so they had kind of had a beef, kind of, I guess. And um, 
I'd have to actually go That's back. The story because in England, like clothes and music are always connected. Like Malcolm McLaren had like clothes shops and back in the, Back in the 60s, the small faces were like paid in clothes and clothes yeah. and music are always and, and, and guys with clothes shops running, you know, running bands and dressing bands and whatever. Right. right yeah. And so we had this really cool clothes shop in Bristol called Clobber. They later changed its name to Paradise Garage. Okay. And I used to just go and hang around in there. The clothes were a bit more, a bit too expensive for me when I was really young. But I got to know the the owner, and he was in a band called Eamon Corner, a Welsh chap, Alan Jones. He was a sax player in Eamon Corner who did Paradise's Harfers Knives, right? Okay. And when the band started, I just used to tell him about the bands, and he said, oh, I've had some experience in the business. And he 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 helped manage us early on. And he also let us have some of these kind of, we, we dressed up in these kind of grey sort of 50s clothes, right? Okay. He, he, he gave us some of his clothes. But when he sold up in England, he moved across. To, he was really into cowboy boots. He really he moved across to Sunset, right? Opened a shop there, and he said Duff and some of the other guys from Guns and Roses were working in his shop, and they formed in his shop. Oh, he him recently. I know. Oh my! God. So he's responsible for the pop group and Guns and Roses. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Well, Could have known. Well, speaking of hairspray, I did... One of those bits of information you only hear on... The Performance Anxiety Podcast. Exactly. (laughs) But with hairspray, I did just remember, I had um, Ellen Foley on, and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was something to do with the right? Yeah, she... The Clash played on one of her records. Yeah, the Clash was her backing band on, uh, I think... uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's like... Meet Me in St. Louis or something about St. Louis. Yeah. And she actually sang on a couple of background on, on Sandinista and I think one of their other albums. But she, she started actually singing with Meatloaf. Wow. So there's some hairspray stuff for you. Although what? I think he sweated all the hairspray out of his hair. Yeah. But yeah, so th- there's, a, there's a little kind of some hairs- hairspray stuff there but but yeah a little connection to some punk the clash right there she, she was so sweet she was just amazing and then about i'd say not even three weeks after i put her episode up meatloaf died oh no yeah it was pretty and it, it's one of those things i kind of felt weird promoting the the show at that point i'm like ah well i know but you know i yeah. don't think you can be I don't know. No, it's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. The show's up, you know. I don't want to be exploitative on somebody's passing, though. So, anyway, so I know I've kept you for quite a while. This, well, it's morning for me, but afternoon for you. Where can people find the album? How can they listen to it, uh, buy it, stream it, download it? I mean, it's a wish list for me. Stephen Mallinder from Cabaret Voltaire to Front 242 to Lee Perry to Ye Gods, you know, to, to KK Knowles. And they can get it, the label's called Emergency Hearts, and they can get it anywhere that good music is sold, as you would say. And where can people follow you on social media? Is there, are there, do you have a... I'm all over. There's, there's social media for Mark Stewart and there's social media for the pop. All right, Awesome. Is this a type of album that you can't really support with live shows or is this, how did we're doing? Yes. That is the craziest thing because I've been working with 
the legend that is Adrian Sherwood from On You Sound, the producer behind On You Sound Records for quite a long time. Yeah. And this year, the big centenary of the beginning of On You Sounds, right? Okay. Although a lot of my records haven't been on the actual label, Adrian's been involved in the production or the editing or the, what you know, he's always, I'm always working with Adrian. And uh, we're having some big On You celebration songs. So there's a couple very soon with, with Mark Stewart and the Mafia, Tackhead, African Head Charge, Horace Andy, Lee was going to do it before he died. Just a really interesting creation rebel, you know, like a, yeah. a, a, a big package package show night of a, they're going to be great nights. Wow. Really of crazy stuff. And I'd like to say on air, congratulations to him for getting this far, you know. Yeah. And thank you for the help. I still owe you a fiver. <laughs> you never get to get it. <laughs> Go on, chase me, chase me. Go on. Oh, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much for everything. I appreciate it. All right, dude. I well, really... You have to have me back on like more. I'll tell you what, I'd love to have you back on. Come on, let's Yeah. In Jesus' name.